Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. The, the audacity that some people have, and I guess one of the... We do not have enough of this COVID vaccine to go around right now. And you know, we, we did a topic two days ago and heartbreaking calls from, from people in their 80s and 90s with underlying health conditions who haven't been able to navigate all the different options that are available and have gone through the frustration and have been really, really trying to figure out a way to get the vaccine and they, they haven't been able to do it. And it's just a heartbreaking situation. And and I understand that there's issues with not having enough vaccine. I, I get all that. But at the same time, we, we've had going on a year to try to figure this out. And I think it's appalling that, that we haven't been able to make sure that the people who need it the most are able to get served. One of the other aggravating things that is out there to me is the fact that you have so many people, or at least a certain number of people, who are what I'm going to describe charitably as the, the line jumpers, the folks that even though it's not their turn, they know they, they, there's a glitch or they find out that there's a mistake or they decide that they're going to jump in and what they're going to do is, is cut in line ahead of the people who really need it. And so far, th- there's been no consequences for that. There's a story in the Journal Sentinel and, and Dan Bryce broke the story. Here, here's the deal. Glitch. This is the headline. Let's Milwaukee workers jump to the head of the line for COVID-19 vaccines, regardless of age or health. All right. Let me let me just start with the top line, the headline on this here. I don't know about you, but even if somebody called me up and told me, Jeff, we've got this glitch. We've got this way that you can sneak in and get the vaccine, even though you're not currently eligible. There's no way I would do it. I just wouldn't feel right about doing that. But yet, apparently, you have a number of city Milwaukee employees who had no such hesitation for this. Okay, so here, here's apparently the deal. This is the way it's reported in the Journal Sentinel. Using the city's website for scheduling appointments, Milwaukee employees were able to jump to the head of the line to get a COVID-19 vaccine, regardless of their age, their health, or job title. They don't know how many public employees or people claiming to be ones did this. This is where it gets really good. And you wonder, who is minding the store in Milwaukee? Um, the Journal Sentinel reports that sources said workers in various city agencies were scheduling appointments at the Wisconsin Center through the online platform as recently as Wednesday. The Journal Sentinel was contacted by city workers who thought it was unethical for them to get preferential treatment. Apparently, according to the health department, there was a quote-unquote software glitch, <laughs> which was discovered Wednesday, probably after the newspaper started making inquiries. Apparently, what would happen is if you went to the website, um, what would happen is you they, they were asking you, are you a city worker? And first of all, you didn't have to prove you were a city worker. You just had to say yes. And if you said yes... And then you answer all the questions. You you get signed up 
for the vaccine, even though you might not otherwise be qualified for this, merely by saying that you were a city worker. So if you got onto this website, you could falsely claim to be a city worker and nobody's going to check. You're going to be set. You could claim to be a city worker and legitimately be one. But if otherwise, you know, you weren't qualified for this, you would still go to the head of the line. The way it works right now is under eligibility requirements, frontline healthcare workers, nursing home, assisted living residents, police and fire personnel and people ages 65 and older can get the vaccines. And apparently, you, you could also do this by claiming that you are a city worker. Um, the mayor says, well, I don't think that there's much here. I think it might be, you know, human error. It's a minor problem that doesn't distract from the larger method of needing to get vaccines, which is all well and good. Right. right. It, we don't know how many people got in line, jumped line, signed up to do this. But it's kind of being minimized. The bigger picture to me is... What does it say about the people who were willing to jump in line to do this? That the fact that, hey, you know, you, you can go to this website, you can claim to be a city worker without being one, and, and they're not going to ask you to have proof, you can sign up. But also, you know, the, the system is set up apparently that if you say you're a city worker, it doesn't matter really whether you qualify for any of these other things, you're going to be able to get your vaccine ahead of the people who really truly qualify and need it. So you have a number of people that were intentionally exploiting a glitch, a mistake, whatever. And to me, the, the story is, who would do that? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Knowing that there are so many people out there who are desperately trying to get the vaccine, who are legitimately entitled to the vaccine, who qualify for the vaccine, but can't can't get it. You know, what does it say about the 35-year-old guy who who decides, I'm going to jump in line, or the 45-year-old guy and decides, I'm going to jump in line because the word is, hey, if, if you sign up here and you claim to be this or you are this, you're going to get it even though you're not entitled to. How do you live with yourself if you do stuff like that? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I don't know, and I don't know that we'll ever know, how many people exploited this glitch. But I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that the fact that you've got people out there who did demonstrates at, at best a lack of ethics, a lack of character. And I don't know if the city's going to do anything to discipline or if it even can do anything to discipline at least the employees that decided to jump in line. But shouldn't we be better than this as, as a society? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in a minute. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Here's an interesting note. You know, the city is trying to, to kind of blow this off and say, oh, it's a glitch. You know, here's an interesting text. Jeff, I work in software development. There's no way this was a glitch. It was designed, programmed, and tested this way to allow the single criteria of being a city worker to schedule an appointment. It, it will be interesting to see if there's any sort of follow-up. Yeah, it, what, what exactly, like, they're blowing it off saying, oh, this is just kind of human error. Well, I don't know what exactly what that means. You would think before you roll out software allowing people to schedule vaccinations, you would think that it would be tested and that somebody somewhere would notice, huh, 
what what's going on here? We're just allowing you to claim that you're if you claim you're a city worker, whether you are or not, but but you immediately get to get this vaccine, even though huge chunks of the people who work for the city aren't entitled to period would be interesting to know what exactly they call a glitch. And in, in the old Watergate questions, you know, what 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 did the people who were what did the people at the health department know? And when did they know it? Jeff in Milwaukee. Jeff, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. I'm a truck driver who's been working through this uh, pandemic since day one. And all the people in the warehouses that load all the stuff on, all the people we deliver to, they've been working since day one. I'm 59 years old. Shame on these people. My parents are 79, 78, waiting for this vaccine. My mother and father-in-law are 78 and 77, waiting for this vaccine. I say shame on all these teachers that demand it, shame unless they have pre-existing conditions and are over 65, and shame on the people that skip lines. they yeah. got to meet their maker someday and answer to him. Well, it, I mean, this is it is one of those things. Thanks to call. I mean, it is one of those things where you, you go, what what were you what were you really thinking, deciding that, that that you're going to put yourself first in this sort of piggish, selfish way? Jeff, I'm a city employee and I applaud the colleagues of mine who blew the whistle on this. I'd be concerned about discipline if I did this myself. Yeah, see, that would be an interesting thing as well. Is there going to be any follow up on this? You know, how many people, you know, found out about this, learned about the quote unquote glitch and then decided to try to exploit this to be the line jumpers. And, and will there be any degree of, you know, a, accountability in trying to, you know, do this? And I mean, I, I think that that's fair. Again, if you understand that if uh, I, as you understand that people are, are desperate to try to get this and you hear the frustrations that people have, the idea that somebody who is an otherwise healthy 42 year old or whatever, 52, whatever, healthy 62 year old worker, the fact that it's not your turn, the idea that you would find out about this and decide to kind of push to the front of the line. Jeff, our society is full of these type of people. Of course, we should be better. Yeah, well, yes. And then they say, well, I think it's a dumb topic. Well, no, it's not a dumb topic. It raises these issues and makes people, I think, hopefully think that before you, you do this, if you have this opportunity, don't don't you need to be better of this? And, and, of course, the other thing is when you're designing these different types of systems, you know, why is it that the city of Milwaukee that, that has access to vaccines that, that maybe other people, you know, other people aren't going to have access to, why is it that they are so capricious that they design the software in such a way to not have some of these protections that are in there, not requiring proof of, of this type of stuff? The Journal Sentinel story he goes on to say, hey, a couple of reporters, they went once they found out about this on Wednesday, they went to the website. They falsely claimed that they were a city employee. And, and again, they're doing it to find out what happens. And they immediately, oh, sure, great. You know, then they answer all the other questions. Super. You say you're a city employee. Fine. You're, you're all set. And then to their credit, of course, they, they turned down the when they were offered the, the times to go in. They, they turned them down, which is, of course, the right thing to do. But we... If we're if we're going to get people vaccinated, we need to concentrate on the priorities. That's why we've been spending all this time doing this. And if you have the line jumpers of the world, the people who think that they can exploit the opportunities, well, I mean, I, I agree with our first caller. It's like at some point in time, you, you get accountable for this stuff, and, and maybe. 
maybe instead of, hey, I can I can be a pig and I can try to get my vaccine first, maybe what we could do is spend that same amount of time calling a friend or a relative who really legitimately does qualify for this and trying to maybe help them get the vaccine. Is that too much to expect? My answer would be no. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Every 15 minutes, a baby is born with a congenital heart defect. All this month, please join WTMJ's Greg Matzik as he teams up with the Children's Heart Foundation to help advance the diagnosis, the treatment, and prevention of congenital heart defects. To find out how you can help, go to WTMJ.com or text the word CARES. C-A-R-E-S, to the Acunet Mortgage Talk text line at 855-616-1620. WTMJ Cares. It's powered by Watry Industries and Premier Aluminum. It is sponsored by Professional Construction, Inc. (laughs) There's a couple school board members um, who, in the San Francisco Bay Area, who apparently are, are learning the hard way, something that anybody who works in the media for any length of time learns right away, which is... Be careful what you say when there are microphones around, even even if you believe that, you know, those microphones are turned off. That's one of the first things you learn broadcasting 101. Hey, if you're sitting in front of a microphone, even if you think that's off, well, it it might be on. So here's apparently the deal Um, in, in the San Francisco area. The schools like MPS have been closed to in person instruction. And the parents, just like around here, are getting extremely frustrated. They recognize that the virtual learning is, if not a complete failure, it's it's a struggle. It's nowhere near as good. And they also recognize that, you know, for, for many people, they've been back at work. They've been working through this entire thing. So there's this huge level of frustration with the fact that we, we can open everything else up, but we can't open the, the schools up, despite the fact that the CDC says it's safe, all, all those different types of things. And we've talked about those issues on multiple occasions. So the school board members are getting a lot of heat from their constituency. Now, this isn't San Francisco proper. This is the Oakley Union Elementary School District, which is kind of a a suburb of San Francisco. But the, the, the school board members have been getting a ton of heat from the people that elect them because they've refused to open up the schools. And I mean, imagine that all all these like pesky voters and stuff that have the audacity to complain that the school board's not opening up things. So they've been getting a, a lot of heat for this and a lot of complaints. And they apparently don't like the fact that people are complaining about this. So here's the, the story. They're um, they're at a school board meeting the, the other day. And, you know, there's, there's all the video cameras that are up because typically the, the video is, it, it's live streamed and things. But they have the ability to go into private session. So you've got a bunch of these school board members that are sitting around and they think that they are in private session. In other words, they think that this is one of these confidential closed door meetings that you can go to from time to time. You know, there's, there's exceptions to like the public, you know, access rules and things like that. So they think they're in a, a private forum. Um, and so they start talking at this virtual meeting. And um, apparently one of them says, are we alone? And then they go on and they start talking about what they think about those those ugly constituents that are complaining. Um, let's see. Oh, my guys, 
I'm getting these complaints. They're, they're nothing but a bunch of potheads who want their babysitters back. You know, it's just kind of like, and then, then they kind of, you know, go on. One of them says, this is my attitude towards critics, and she uses a word that I cannot say on the radio, but she uses this word and says, if you're going to call me out, I'm going to blank you up. This is the school board member. She's talking about, that's it. This woman called me and complained, and that's what I was thinking. You know, you know, if you're going to call me out, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, well, you know where this is going. So they're having this candid conversation talking about how the, the voters are a bunch of potheads who only want the city open so they can have their babysitters back, schools open, et cetera, and they, they don't like these comments. And apparently at one point somebody says, uh-oh, <laughs> uh-oh. After uh, one school trustee says, uh-oh, after refusing a, receiving a message from someone who had just noticed the error, saying, um, I just got this message saying, we have the meeting open to the public right now. At which point another trustee says, uh-uh, no, it's not. And they say, uh, yes, it is. <laughs> so apparently you, you have these yo-yos that are sitting around talking about their distaste for the, the people that have elected them and, and how dare they, oh, they don't care about their kids in school. They just, you know, they're a bunch of dope smokers who want their kids there. And I, I was thinking this one of them, I'm going to mess you up, although she didn't say mess you up, etc. And they think they're, they're off camera. And then it's, oops, guess we weren't really like that. And then one says, Great. And then quickly they turn off the cameras. But by that time, it, it's too late. The school board president ended up resigning as they started talking about the uh, a potential recall. Bottom line of this is whether you're on the school board or whether you're a broadcaster or whether you're just a person on the street, when somebody puts a microphone in your face, you've got to always assume that that might be on. And by the way, if you're an elected official, maybe you'd be better off not holding your constituents in such disdain in the first place. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Does Ted Cruz deserve all the heat that he is getting for his little trip to Cancun in the middle of the week? If you have 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is is he the victim of an overzealous liberal media or does he deserve all the criticism he is getting for being at best tone deaf and at worst Clueless, greedy, self-entitled, and grasping. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tough for me to be too sympathetic to Ted Cruz, but how do you feel about it? If you haven't heard this story, we the, the big the big news this week has been just the, the complete and total weather-related disaster that has become Texas. You know, we talked about it the other day. The the fact that, that they've had an unprecedented freeze. What ended up happening is the uh, electrical grid collapsed. Um, as a result of the electrical grid collapsing, you had the water generation, the, the, the water generation plants, you know, they didn't have electricity to operate. Water pressure dropped. You had pipes that froze. And it's, it's just different in Texas than it is here. They, they were not able to handle this. And so as a result of this, you had, you know, a million people without power or not or more. You've had people that have been without water in these big cities and in smaller communities for the 
for the better part of several days. You have burst pipes. It's just a complete and total nightmare on so many different levels. Ted Cruz, who is, of course, one of the two senators from uh, Texas, Ted Cruz decides that, that he, along with his family, are going to blow town. And and they decide we're going to take a trip to Cancun. His wife apparently, you know, she's on a she's on a on a, on a chat chat group, and you know, she's saying, "Hey, we're we're thinking about heading to Cancun." You know, any of you folks, this is like with some of her female friends. Any any of you ladies want to come with us and stuff? We're going to get out of this. I'm freezing. It's terrible. We don't have water. All these things, and so let let's just get out of here and let's head to Cancun. So Ted Cruz, um, family in tow. Um, heads to Cancun on on Wednesday. Well, what he doesn't realize is that you know he and his family are 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 seen at the airport, you know, getting on the flight to Cancun, and then this spreads like wildfire that he's heading out of Texas when you know Texas is in this disaster area. Um, he he gets there. Then he gets confronted by it, and he's less than truthful in explaining what happened. Oh, well, this was a situation where, you know, my, my kids were out of school, and they asked, could we go down there? And being a good dad, I decided to take them down, et cetera, et cetera. And then, then I was always planning to come back, but the, the story falls apart. I mean, he decided to come back when he got busted heading down to Cancun, you know, for, for the vacation. In one of the things that does make it even more aggravating is he's got this little dog, they left the dog. Did you see this group? They left the dog home alone in the in the freezing house. And his story is, well, I put out some kibble and I put some water in the bathtub. They left the dog home alone. One of my favorite things about Twitter is how reactive it can be. And immediately, the dog's name is, is Snowflake. Right. And people already started making Twitter accounts of Snowflake and Snowflake tweeting out, like, come help me, I'm, I'm hungry, stuff like that. I, I, okay, and if you're a regular listener to this program, you, you, you understand that I, I, have, I have a dog. I've got a, uh, I've got a five-and-a-half-year-old Pomeranian who is, together with my wife, the, the light of my life. <laughs> and, and I just, I, I love this dog. I, I love the dog, and the dog loves me. And, you know, and it, it's one of those things. And the idea that if we're out, there's no power in the house, we're, it's freezing, we're out of water, um, the idea that, gee, I, I'm going to figure out a way to put some water in a bathtub, get leave a bunch of kibble, and then just bail on the dog. I, I, it just it would not occur to me. Um, you know, it, 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 I, either I'm taking the dog with me, or I, I'm taking the dog, you know, somewhere else. Who leaves their dog alone? Oh yeah, the guy that decides that he's going to, you know, run out to Cancun. Our number eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now. Here's, to me, what is the interesting issue. Cruz is getting the heck beat out of him for this trip. Now, I will be honest with you. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. If if I were in that situation, let, let's say the same thing happened. You've got no power. You've got no water. Here, here I am. You know, I, I'm not an elected official or anything like that. And I, I have the option. Boy, it's going to be a week before we have power. Let's put aside the dog. Sasha's coming with me, or Sasha's going to be somewhere safe. But but if the idea is, gee, it's going to be really miserable around here for a few days, and, and I have an option to get out of town, well, I think I, I'm I'm going to take it. I, I I'm the average guy. 
I'm going to take it because, yeah, it's cold, it's freezing. Hey, let, let's head out to Florida. Let's go to Phoenix. Let, let's do something. If you had the option to do that, you would. So I, I think average people would do that. Now, of course, Ted Cruz is not an average person. He is, you know, a, a presidential aspirant. He's a guy who, you know, is the senator from Texas. So if it would be okay for an average person to do it, would it be wrong? Was it wrong for Ted Cruz to do it? My answer is yes. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Jen in Green Bay. Jen, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How are Hi. you? I'm good. Thank you. What do you think? Good. Well, um, so as I was telling your screener, I have a daughter who goes to school down in, in Waco, and she's a Wisconsin girl through and through. He should have absolutely not gone. You know, he is voted in. You know, these are his constituents. And, you know, these kids had limited water, and I mean, this is the whole state. Right. They had um, pipes bursting in their dorms. Food was pretty scarce. You know, it, it just wasn't the time for him to say, oh, let's go to uh, Cancun. And I didn't know about the dog. That makes me even more mad. <laughs> yeah. right. You leave your, right, well, right, right. And, and, and I, I actually, I think once that's that part of the straight, and, and he, yeah, we we left the dog here, yeah, but we, we filled it, we put some water in the bathtub, and then we, we had some kibble out. We were only going to be gone a couple days. Who leaves their, uh, but I guess, well, here's the thing, Jen, in, in, in fairness, now, if, you know, okay, so you said your daughter is in school in Waco? That's that's where she is? Yeah. Okay, if, yeah. if your daughter called and was talking about how miserable this was and had the opportunity to, for example, come back to Wisconsin, you know, and, until this whole thing blew over, you, you wouldn't think ill of your daughter if she was able to do that, right? I mean, yeah, come on home, honey. It's warm here. We've got, we've got water. If, if she was able to do that, we, we wouldn't criticize your daughter for doing that, right? No, and I wish my husband had even, had even said earlier, he says, maybe we should fly her home. And I was like, oh, it's not going to be that bad. I just didn't realize how it was. And, you know, there were plenty of times that she would call and, you know, she's just like, this is the worst, you know. And they're laying around in their dorms under layers of blankets because it's just, it was so cold. Yeah. Well, right. And so, and that would be, I mean, thanks for, I guess, that, see, that's my point. It, I, I wouldn't think less of your daughter or if you said, hey, let, let's fly her back here. But your your daughter isn't. You know, the, the U.S. Senator. All right, now here's an interesting text. How do you expect Ch- Ted Cruz to make things happen quicker? He can't change the weather. So I, I assume that the implication of that text is, why is everybody picking on Ted Cruz? He, he's the U.S. Senator, but he's doing what anybody else would do if they had the opportunity. He's cold. His family's cold. His kids are complaining. He can get out of town to Cancun. And if the average person who had the ability to do that, if they can do it, why are we criticizing Ted Cruz for doing it? He's just, again, he's doing what anybody else would do. Now, my point would be that, you know, one of the things that comes with public service is, okay, you're, you're supposed to be there trying to help your constituents in any way you can. But I, I agree. I mean, is it is it fair? Is it a double standard to say to a U.S. senator, you shouldn't do this, when any of the rest of us probably would have? Like I say, I freely admit, if I was in that situation and I had the opportunity to, hey, let's get out of Dodge for a couple days until the water and the heat comes back on, I'm, I'm doing it. Not leaving the dog, but I'm doing it. 855-616-1620. We continue the conversation in a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, I, I understand that Ted Cruz is not the governor of Texas. Nevertheless, you, you're faced with a an emergency situation. If I'm the U.S. senator from that state, I'm I'm figuring out a way to stay and try to help my constituents. I'm not loading up my wife and my kids, leaving the dog behind, and, and, and heading off to Cancun. I mean, that's if you're and again, I, I would say this. This isn't to me Republican or Democrat. It's what could you possibly be thinking here? Let's talk to uh, Glenn in Oak Creek. You're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking the call. Um, two things. Cruz has two responsibilities. One, he has as the husband and father to his family to protect the family. Put them on a plane, yep. send them to Cancun, and let them be warm. Two, he's got constituents who have voted him into a position that he's also responsible for. He should be either at the governor's house knocking on the door and saying, let's get something done, or at the White House saying, let's get the National Guard, let's get something else, let's get people down there. And then second part of that, my comment, is simple. He should be charged with uh, endangerment of a pet, and let's see him live that responsibility live up to that reason he's a pet owner and as a pet owner myself i've given up vacations because i knew i couldn't bring my my fuzzy buddy with me yeah. the, the fact is that he left him at the house in freezing conditions is pet endangerment which is in most states now actually yeah. a, a low-class felony yeah now th- thanks for now I, I was trying to explore that a little bit and 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 his story is and they, they've got pictures of like the dog standing there looking out the window when the rest of them are gone his story is that that they have a security guard who wasn't like living at the house but is apparently a security guard like checks on the house and the security guard was supposed to to check on on the dog and he had filled the bathtub with water and they put kibble there now I, but but still regard who leaves the family dog under those circumstances I, I mean, really, the, the house is dark. It's cold. But but I, I want to go back to what you said at the beginning because I, I think that's so true. You, you have a couple different responsibilities. One is again to to your family, and I I can easily understand that. You know, honey, I know it it really is miserable, and the kids are miserable. Tell you what, why don't you, you go to Cancun, or you know, you, you go ahead, take the kids on this trip, or you you know, go go visit mom I'm, go, go visit some friends in los angeles get out of this because this is and and i understand that and I, I think if this was sending your if the question was you know do you rip him for sending his his family you know out of of the area so they can be comfortable i, I don't think that that would be a fair criticism yeah you, you have an obligation to look out for your family and if you have the wherewithal to do it fine but you're right you stay because you're supposed to be on the ground, you know, during this. And, and yes, and I understand that you, you can't make snap your fingers and make the electricity go on. And, you know, you, you can't all of a sudden make it get warm. But if you're you're there, that's your that's your job. And right. Whether it's trying to liaison with the, the FEMA people, the federal emergency management people. I mean, this is when you roll up your sleeves and say, look, we're going to we're dealing with a, a huge crisis here that's affecting millions of my constituents and, and yeah i'm i'm right here and i'm going to be here working for you not hey rodrigo can i have another you know rum drink you know on on the beach 855-616-1620 kelly and slinger kelly you're on wtmj good afternoon hey jeff thanks for taking my call Hi, kelly. well i'll tell you the dog thing really gets me because like your former caller i'm a huge dog person our dogs come with us on vacations or we don't go 
Second, now again, in his defense, his, his story, his story as well. There, there, there was a security guard that would go in and check on the dog, but I, I'm still, I, I, yeah, I I'm not leaving the, the dog. Yeah, up with water is yeah. not is not a good water source for a dog. But yeah. dog, but um, this just, like I said before, as somebody who who was a, a fan of Ted Cruz, I think this is just questionable character at the very least, and. You know, I was telling your screener, there, there's an old saying, the captain goes down with the ship. Well, ship's not really going down. He's not the captain. But you stay with your people. You stay with your constituents to show that you're going through it with them. And you care what happens. I mean, this is just the optics are horrible. Right. The, op- right, the, the optics are horrible. <laughs> you're exactly right. And I guess it's one of the things that's most surprising to me, Kelly, is that you didn't realize in the beginning that the even if you're inclined to get out of Dodge and, and go where it's warm, and Lord knows we all understand that that desire. But it, it's amazing to me that somewhere in the back of your mind, as an experienced politician, you don't think the what is this going to look like if I'm at the airport, you know, he- heading out to Cancun while everybody else is freezing and pipes are bursting all over, and pe- my constituents aren't going to have water for the next you know three weeks. I mean, what? Wouldn't you think that maybe you, you should recognize you should stay there and go help people out? Well, you would think that somebody that is, is you know, his, um, whoever works for him, somebody would have said, sir, this just doesn't, this is not the right time. Right, yeah, but put put your wife, put the kids, no, thanks to go, put your wife, put your kids, put them on the, put them on the plane and, and send them there and then, then go down to your office. And again, I, I'm, I mean, I'm getting, I'm getting some people, who are saying, well, there's nothing he could have done. Well, but that's, that, see, that's not, that's not true. I mean, you, you've got an emergency situation, and this is where you want your elected officials to, to rise to the challenge. And yes, I, I understand he can't all of a sudden make those pipes thaw out. And I understand he can't suddenly make those, you know, wind turbines turn. And I understand, but you, but you can be there trying to, I mean, if I were the senator from Texas during this, people say, what would you do? You know, I'll tell you, I, I would be there. I would be myself and all my staff. We would be there. We would be working the phones, trying to figure out how can we get FEMA on the ground right away? Let, let's, let's deal with this. What can we do to use our influence as a United States senator to bring that into play to make sure that, you know, what, whatever resources the federal government might have, let, let's, let's get those, let, let's get the, the trucks with the bottled water in here so, you know, people can have some water. Let's figure out what can we do to get warming shelters open? Is there stuff that FEMA can bring in so that, you know, people don't have to be in the freezing sort of cold. What can we do to try to, you know, help out the, the most, the, the most, the neediest people, you know, the, I, I, again, I don't know, but there's all sorts of things that you would think that you would be trying to find out and that as a U.S. Senator, you would be working the phones to do. And I think it's fair to, to say, okay, the, the, your reaction is, hey, I'm going to go to Cancun. No, I don't think so. Fred on the West Side. Fred, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, hi. Good hi. show. Good topic. Thank you, sir. Um, yeah, uh, I was a public employee, and you know, as you mentioned before, you know, uh, you have a certain responsibility, and also in some cases, you know, it's mandatory. You're getting paid for it. And to, to answer some of the questions, like what can you do? Well, he's a he's a high profile person. He has uh, a, lo- a lot of influence. You know, one, he, you know, he could call his lobbyist, you know, friends, and and have them donate. You know. Uh, food, water, clothing, right. et cetera, et cetera. And it, the other thing is that his presence 
and and the, and the uh, impact that you know someone at the top can have in all the you know contacts uh, he has. Sure. I mean, he's highly influential and well spoken. Yeah, right. No, exactly. And and that's all right. I I I agree with you. Now, here's the other side. We you know here's the other side. One of our texters says, "What difference does it make where Ted Cruz is? There's nothing he can do physically that he can't do over the phone. What if he was in Washington D.C. and the storm hit and there was no way for him to get back to Texas? Um, I sure I'm sure he could do his senators things from D.C. or anywhere else in the world. He doesn't physically need to be in Texas to do his job. Oh, oh. Okay, right. I, I understand that, but that's not what happened here. It's not like I, I'm in, I'm stuck in Washington D.C. and there's a blizzard and I can't get out because I'm going to try to get back to see what's going on on the ground. That that's not what this was. This was I am in my home in Texas. I am uncomfortable because I'm in the same boat that many of my constituents are. We don't have heat. We don't have water. It's really really crummy. I'm going to do what the vast majority of my constituents can't do. I'm going to flee the state. That, that's that's the, the difference. And, and yes, I, I guess it's theoretically true that after fleeing the state, he could be sitting on the beach in Cancun, and while he's sipping his boat drink, he could be on his cell phone saying... Huh. Okay. Let's 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 figure out you know what we can do to help get some you know heat to all these people who are freezing to death. But oh, and by the way, like I say, Rodrigo, I'll, I'll have another one of those those boat rigs here, and make sure you put a couple of the parasols in it. it, it it's just I don't know when you get elected to these offices, you're when there are times of. of trouble when there is the natural disaster that's when you expect people to try to rise to the occasion instead of hop on the airplane that's what i think becomes part of your role when you decide that you're going to again be a united states senator you're not the average guy this is jeff wagner live from the annex wealth management studios at historic radio city this is the jeff wagner show and now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. That's a lot of people reacting to the Ted Cruz thing. And actually, the, the, leaving the dog behind is, is one of the dazzling details. Now, the, 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 apparently there was a, a security... When, when the New York Magazine drove by and saw the dog, like, by itself... I would never leave my dog like that. Apparently, they they have security guards, and you know one of the security guards said, "Well, I, I'm I'm supposed to watch him, but the security guards like out in the driveway and things like that." And they, it's just, I I'm sorry, <laughs> Sasha. I'm not going to do that to you. Trust me. I, it's 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 not going to happen. You're you're coming with me, or you're. You're going to some safe spot. I guarantee you I am not going to bail on you and take the rest of the family to Cancun or wherever. By the way, Ted Cruz is not the only person, a prominent political figure, who's watching his political career implode as we speak. You know, and it, it is it, – it's, it's one of those stories about how people – who just burn really brightly, oh, this is just a rising star, a lot of times stars flame out. At the height, what, what, once the pandemic was, was getting started, uh, back in March, you will remember that the mainstream media was just panning, 
President Trump and his his response. And, and who was the media darling? Well, it was three-term governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo. And remember, you know, Cuomo was all over the news, and his brother, who's the you know correspondent, he was. They were doing these interviews, and people were talking about the masterful way that Andrew Cuomo was handling things. And 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 this this guy, you know, he he's going to be the president of the United States sometime. And and what a great job he's done, etc. Well, you know, what a difference a, a few months make. This was known for a while, but if you haven't been following the story, one of the things that Cuomo did in the beginning was that he issued an order to nursing homes telling the nursing homes that they were not able, they were not going to be allowed to refuse to admit COVID patients. So if, if somebody had COVID, they had to keep them at the nursing home. That, that was it. If somebody was there, they had to keep them at the nursing home. And, and his, his concern was, I don't want the hospitals to be overwhelmed. Well, the problem, of course, with doing this is you, you know that, that nursing homes are just the, the virus. What we know is the virus spread like wildfire at, at nursing homes. So by forcing nursing homes to take and to accept Patients, what you did is you you exposed more people to the fact that they might get sick. And what's now turned out is there's new studies that are out that say that as a result of this decision that Cuomo made, there are, you know, thousand over a thousand more people that, that died than otherwise would have had you not had this decision. On top of that, it's now coming out that in an effort to well, I don't know if you want to look at it in the worst light, cover up the the impact of this decision. It appears that the state of New York has been intentionally slow walking numbers to to show, you know, how bad the problem really was. For example, they'd been reporting that there there were like 9,000 uh COVID deaths in nursing homes. But but they weren't talking about how many other people who were in the hospital from the nursing homes ended up dying. And that number is is thousands more. And nobody ever really, like, put that together. And then once people started asking questions, Cuomo, uh, I think it's fair to say the administration slow-walked this because, as it turns out, there were thousands more deaths that were attributed to this than they originally disclosed. And so, you know, Cuomo's getting all this heat um, in New York State. The legislature is considering taking away some emergency powers that he had. He's getting beaten up pretty badly on this. And the idea that this guy was going to be this, this rising star appears to be kind of going out the window. Now, you know, does it cost him his job when he runs for re-election? If he runs for re-election, you know, a year and a half from now, I, I don't know any of that. But, but it shows how your star can fall because, again, a year ago, he, this is the guy that's got all the answers. This is the wonderful thing. And now the headlines are Cuomo policy may have led to over 1,000 nursing home deaths, a watchdog report says. New York Times, the New York Times of all places, Cuomo faces revolt as legislators move to strip him of pandemic power. Um, Democratic lawmakers have begun to challenge Andrew Cuomo's handling of the virus-related nursing home deaths. The governor becomes uh, subject of a federal inquiry. Apparently, the FBI and the U.S. attorney are looking into uh, the handling of the nursing home during the pandemic. And, you know, the, the stories, you know, go on and on. But it's it's never a good thing to find out that, you know, you're, you're under investigation by the U.S. attorney and the FBI's office. So people can decide... 
you know, how significant was this? It's, it's clear that, and, and you can also understand perhaps why he made some of the decisions that he made, but there, there's no question that those decisions led to more deaths. And it's probably, if he was a rising star, I think it's fair to say that his star is not rising as quickly. All right, I want to talk about something completely different. Uh, from time to time on this program, we, we talk about crime and the impact that, that it, it has. And a couple, well, a week or so ago, we were talking about the explosion of, of car thefts in, in the city of Milwaukee and, and in Milwaukee County in, in general. We're having this conversation, and there, there were a couple people who were arguing that, oh, it, it's, it's just a car. It's not that big a deal. You know, what, why are we so upset about this? And I had a conversation with somebody not that long ago who had, had had their car stolen. And th- this particular person, th- it, it wasn't, it wasn't so much that by taking their car, it wasn't that they, they weren't going to be able to get to work. They, they had another car that they had access to. It wasn't that there wasn't insurance. So there was going to be insurance and there was going to be a little bit of weight and it was a nuisance, but they, they were, they, they were either going to, if their car wasn't found, they, the car would be replaced. And it wasn't a situation where, oh my gosh, I have no way to get to work now. It, it wasn't that situation. But nevertheless, the person was telling me how, how violated they, they felt it, it wasn't just the inconvenience or the pain in the you know what of having your vehicle stolen. It was that somebody took something that belonged to you. And it was that 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 violation that, that was perhaps the worst of this. I was thinking about this because there's a story in The New York Times today about how 90 the headline is 90,000 packages are stolen in New York City every day. 90,000 packages, how one building fought back. And it's a story about how there were apparently all these these thieves that were preying on this one building and they were waiting for packages to be delivered by FedEx or whatever, and then they'd go in and they'd steal them. And one of the interesting things is, again, it's it's not just that you are a victim of the theft. It's it's the invasion. It's the fact that somebody took something that, that belonged to you and, and how... Yeah, you you can get whatever it is you ordered from Amazon. You you can you can get that replaced, right? You you can do that, but it's the fact that you were violated, and and that's one of the things that bothers a lot of people. Okay, our number is eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Have you ever been the a, a crime victim, particularly a victim of theft? Had your car stolen? Um, been been robbed, had your house broken into when you weren't home or something. And what was what was the worst part of that? Because the more and more people I, I talk to, again, it's 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 not just, oh, somebody, you know, somebody kicked out the window of my car and, and went in and, and hot wired it and stole it, drove it off. That was bad. It was inconvenient. But it was the fact that somebody took this thing that belonged to me. And, and the fact that that's the type of thing that I think for many people, it, it follows them. It's that invasion. It's you, you just don't feel safe and secure moving forward anymore because you don't know when it's going to happen again. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm just curious. Have you have you ever been the victim of, of theft, whether it's car theft or burglary or, or something like that? And I'm not necessarily, I'm not in this case necessarily talking about somebody coming up and, and hitting you over the head or sticking a gun in your face. That's a whole different thing. And, and clearly there's that sense of fear and all. But from the perspective of having things belong to you stolen, what's the worst part of it? 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment. 
Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Jeff, when we lived in Milwaukee, somebody broke into our home. We were home sleeping upstairs. We heard the noise, and by the time my husband decided to go check it out, they were gone. They only had stolen one of a pair of speakers, but they had cut some wires, broken a window. It was extremely hard to feel safe afterwards, and the worst of it was the police were not interested in doing much of anything. We had DNA from the perpetrator's blood that was probably fingerprints as well, but they didn't take anything. It was no big deal to um, them. Uh, Jeff, 40 years ago, I went to a house party. People saw me there, so they left. They went to my house, broke in, and stole my stereo system. Um, Jeff, the worst part of my house being robbed when I was six was always knowing they were in my bedroom in a safe place that's sacred. Stuff is replaceable. Peace of mind is not. I was forever changed by that robbery. Yeah, that's that's the the key to to this let's start with uh let's see jack on the east side jack you're on wtmj hello hi jack um i'm just west i'm on phillips uh Bellar phillips avenue okay uh, this used to be called fourth street and just off the Capitol. and um i'm i bought this house in 2011 and within two weeks my car was broken into then my truck then my garage then my house and Twice I was at home when it happened, and I was so angry. Uh, right. I should have waited. I should have called the police, called 911, and, you know, whispered and waited till they got there and then chased it out the front door or front window, which is where it came in. But I was upset, so I just said, you know, this is my house. Get the, out of here. Yeah. And so, <laughs> but you know what? 62 times, and we're, we're in court. Um, I've been in court probably... Two and a half years with this guy, still there, still doing the same thing. Right. Terrorizing the neighborhood since 1989. Talk about a feeling of violation and then neglect from the police. Yeah. No, it's a fr- no, it's fr- frustration that they're in. Th- see, and that's, I, I think that's what gets lost sometimes. And actually, that, that's what really intrigued me about this because some people will say, Okay, what's the big deal? Your, your car got stolen, you've got insurance, you're, you're going to get it back. And, and you have another car, so it's not like you weren't able to get to work. Or, you know, what's the big deal? So somebody goes up on your porch and rips off a bunch of packages. Okay, well, that's, you know, you, you, you can replace them or, or whatever. But it, it's, that's not what the problem is. It, it's the violation. Jeff, years ago, our apartment was broken into at night while we slept. My pants, I had left at the end of the bed with my wallet in the pocket. My wife's purse was on the the next morning, the wallet and purse were in the kitchen. Wow. The worst part of the whole thing is that they were in our room. The thieves were in our room while we slept. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Jeff, I had my car- garage broken into years ago. Uh, my tennis rackets were stolen. They were one of the few things I cared about in my garage. Actually, our police department actually caught the person that was stolen, but I felt really unset. It was a neighbor. Um, I felt really unsettled about living near that person, and I was glad when they moved shortly thereafter. Um, Jeff, walking up to your house and seeing the door kicked in is not fun, and walking out to the parking lot to a smashed car window and your dash ripped apart from the statue from the stereo that that isn't great either no it's it's not let's talk to jim in hills corners jim you're in wtmj hello hey jeff um i've had about four or five different things stolen over the years when i lived down near uwm uh stereo bike 
the worst though was uh, a um, 1968 Mustang when I was a senior mm. at Homestead. <laughs> I was uh, it was one of the last year uh, months of the year, uh, senior year, and I just got sick and tired of school, so I I skipped out. And I went down to the main library in Milwaukee. Yeah. I'm such a nerd. <laughs> and I uh, parked it on 11th uh, and uh-huh. Wisconsin, right by uh, Marquette. Yeah. And I came back. I had chrome wheels on it, and uh, the car was gone. Oh. I walked over to a uh, police administration, and the, uh, the guy taking the intake said, oh, now you're going to have to tell your daddy you got his car stolen. I said, no, sir, it's my car. <laughs> so and, you, you, you uh, not have a sympathetic police officer there either. Wow. No, but I, I did get it back three days later, and uh, the thieves had stolen the wheels, and uh, they had actually put a better battery in the car than what I had had <laughs> to move do, it. And uh, <laughs> yeah. do you still wish? Do you wish I you had your? Divorce. Do you wish you still had that car, the '68 Mustang? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, thanks for my my uh, my dad. Um, he, he at some point in time in his life he, he he had he had a deal on something. So we he had a '66 and a '67 Mustang convertible. The '66 was like sky blue, and '67 that was not a convertible. But the other one was, and and he he'd have them stored and he'd drive them around. And never he ended up selling them. I, I I was never on the list to get them. But but no, I know what you're talking about. It's it's that. It's that feeling of violation that you have that I, I think sometimes we, we just don't appreciate when we try to say, oh, well, okay, you weren't hurt. Well, what the heck? We're, we're just taking your car. Dennis, on the north, Dennis, you're on, on the south side. You're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Yeah, I told your screener that as you were re- uh, reading down the list before you started this segment, uh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> Virtually everything you said. You know, it was going on around here. The uh, garage door was kicked in, stuff stolen. Right. I, I lost. I lost a a, a uh, snowblower uh, two days after I'd had it back after it had it repaired. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. You know, the house door was kicked in, and, and everything was gone through the entire house. Yeah. I think only had a two-hour window to get this done. Yeah. It. It, 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 was, it was just crazy. You know. It, no. It. No. Thanks. No. Go ahead. The, the the best one of all of all of these was my my father in law who who had been living with us for a while. He had a car stolen off of our our parking pad on the alley, and when they called him from the toll lot to come and pick it up because they found it, okay, right. And they said, "Well, is it drivable?" They said, "Yeah, yeah, just come get it." So I, I took him over there, and I waited for him to make sure everything was okay. It was a good thing that I waited for him because he came back maybe about a half hour later. With a couple of crates full of stuff from his car, and I said, "Well, where's the car?" And he said, "Well, it's still in the lot." I said, well, "Why didn't you drive out here?" He said, "Because it doesn't have an engine." Jeez, <laughs> it's like okay, that makes no right. It's like okay, well, that that that's a way of victimizing it. You know, I I mean, I, I bring this up because I I was always thinking when I, when I I grew up in Glendale, right, and we we. We would go away. My parents were from the East Coast. They were from Maryland. And so we, we'd go on like a two-week vacation every summer where we'd drive back to, to, to Maryland and, you know, they'd see their friends and, you know, we'd, we'd stay with my grandmother or my, uh, my grandmother um, and my grandfather before he passed away. But one time when we come back, 
our, our house had been broken into because we had those milk shoots. I don't know if you that's uh, it used to be that you know when they still used to deliver milk, there would be these milk shoots, and what would happen is the milk delivery guy would open it from the outside, he'd put the milk bottle in, and then you could open it from the inside. Well, we had a couple neighborhood kids, as it turned out, who knew we were on vacation, and they they got this really small kid. He went in through the milk chute, honest to God, opened up the door and came in and, and robbed our, our house. They did it the night before our we were coming back. And so we come back the next night and they realize that people are home or else they were going to come back and steal a lot more. My mother was always uncomfortable from that moment on. Now we ended up nailing up the milk chute and things like that, but you can it's easy to get victimized and, and that's that's part of the problem with this. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> So Mike Spaulding, you, you when I say milk shoots, do you know what I'm what I'm can you even imagine what I'm talking about? I only can because our house was built in the nineteen fifties and we have one too, but I've never lived in a place where they could actually open. Ours have been sealed right. sealed shut. Well, well that I mean and that was and I understand I'm dating myself, but there was there was a time between I mean there was a time when you, you had the milk delivery trucks and there would be the guys that have the routes and they would a couple times a week bring out milk and eggs or whatever and they deliver them to your home and so these were these were just like they were panels that were ours was off off our off the kitchen and so the milk guy could come up and he'd open it from the outside they weren't locked or anything and, and they'd put the milk in there and then you know you get up in the morning and you open it and you take it from the inside so let me ask you it, it, how long was the milk in there well, I mean, theoretically, just an hour or two. I mean, because okay. you knew, like you would set up, okay, we're going to get a gallon of milk delivered three times a week, so you know it's, or whatever it would be. Mm-hmm. So you know, okay, Monday's the delivery, so you, you go and you get it. But but it was it was this narrow little slot, and honestly, it would have never occurred to me, but some neighborhood kid, I think they got like their younger brother, they open up the outside, they get the kid in, he's, it's this is a small little shoot, they push the thing in from, you know, from the outside, they're able to push the door in, or, or break it off, slides in, opens up the door. It was, you know, it was, and again, I, I, I know we, we don't have milk delivered to poems anymore, and we probably don't have these milk shoots, but it was, who would have thought? Who would have thought? You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff, I honestly had to think hard who played in the Super Bowl, much less the commercials. Isn't that the truth as, as well? You know, it's kind of, all right, who, who was it? That was Tampa Bay and Kansas City. Oh, yes, I, I remember that now. It's it just how quickly we forget. All right. I'm fascinated to know your response to this. Should she have been able to keep working? My answer would be yes, but I'm curious where you come down on this. All right. New York. I guess, you know, Andrew Cuomo state, we were talking about him a little while ago. New York has had very, very strict shutdowns on on restaurants. Um, A lot of restaurants all across the country, of course, are gone. But New York, it has been particularly bad. Thousands of businesses, restaurants have closed permanently. Tens of thousands of people have lost their job. All right. Uh, starting just recently, limited indoor dining has started again in New York. Right? So they're starting to open this up. And get this, restaurant workers, including servers, cooks, those who make deliveries, are on the list of New York State residents who are eligible to receive a COVID-19 vaccine. Now, reasonable people can, can argue about whether or not, you know, restaurant employees should be considered essential workers and, and go ahead of, of other people. But 
and I'm going to discuss that aspect of it. That's the case. So if you work in a restaurant, you get to go to the front of the line to get your COVID-19 vaccine. Well, there's this one restaurant in, in Brooklyn. It's called the Red Hook Tavern, and its owner is requiring employees to get vaccinated. They're saying, look, you, you've got to do this. And they, they say that, okay, here, here's the deal. The reason we're doing this is, is twofold. First of all, you know, we, we want to protect, we want our workers to have their health protected. Secondly, we want the, we're trying to inspire people to feel safe to come back to the restaurants, right? That the restaurants have been closed forever. We want people to feel comfortable coming to restaurants. And if we can say that all, all our employees, all the people who are going to be serving you, the bartenders, all these people that you're going to be dealing with, that they have in fact been vaccinated, that that will help inspire public confidence to come back to the restaurant. So it's for the interest of the employees. It's for trying to get people back into the business. It's for keeping people safe. All right. So they are requiring vaccinations. Well, there's this 34 year old woman who's worked as a waitress there and she says, I don't want to get the vaccine. And they say, well, why not? She says, well, it's not that I don't believe in the vaccine, uh, but I, I'm, I'm thinking at some point in time, I might become pregnant and I am concerned about whether or not this vaccine is going to have any sort of impact if I decide to get pregnant. So I, I just I don't want to do it. So I'm not anti-vaccine, but. And it's not a health issue per se. It's not a religious issue. It's not like I can go and get a medical certificate saying I'm allergic to this stuff. But I, my concern is I might want to be pregnant someday, and I'm just not sure how this is going to interact. So I choose not to get it, understanding the risks. And the business owner fired her. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should employers in area in businesses where... Public where contact with the public is is a, is a necessary element of it. I mean, it's it's not a situation where she's an IT coder who is working at home. She's she's a server, so she's on the front line. She is going to be interacting with customers. All right, under those circumstances, should the employer be able to force her? to get to get vaccinated and if she refuses and again not having a medical she doesn't have a medical excuse per se you know it's not like gee i'm allergic it's just that i'm i'm concerned about this i don't know what effect this is going to be on me moving forward i don't want to get it 855-616-1620 that's the accident mortgage talk and text line should they be able to fire her my answer is no but what do you think we discuss in just a minute Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The largest vaccine rollout of our time is underway as we aim to put the COVID-19 pandemic in our collective rearview mirror. Join John McCure next Thursday, February 25th at 4 o'clock for a special WTMJ roundtable, Vax Facts. He'll be joined by Dr. John Raymond of the Medical College of Wisconsin to help answer your questions about the vaccine. Want to hear your question on the air? Give us a call, 414-203-8105. And don't forget, join us at 4 o'clock next Thursday, February 25th, for a special WTMJ roundtable, Vax Facts, sponsored by Dave Drave Camp Heating. Okay, if you're just tuning in, here, here's the story. New York, state of New York, thousands of restaurants have closed. Tens of thousands of people have lost their jobs. They are just starting to allow restaurants to open up for in-person service. Um, restaurant workers in New York 
are considered to be essential workers, and they kind of go to the head of the line to get the COVID-19 vaccine ahead of a lot of other essential workers. But that's not the aspect of the story I want to talk about. So we got this this restaurant in, in Brooklyn, and the one of the women who works there is a waitress. She's worked there for years. Her employer says, you've got to get the vaccine. And she says, I, I don't want to get the vaccine. So I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but, you know, I, I, I'm of childbearing age. I, I might be getting pregnant sometime in the near future. I'm not pregnant now, but I might be getting pregnant in the near future. And I don't know how this vaccine is going to interact. So I don't want to do it. So the owner says, OK, you're fired. 855-616-1620. Should she be fired for refusing to get the vaccine? Let's start with Mark in Kenosha. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon. How's Hi, Mark. Going? Good. Should they, should they be able to fire her? Uh, most certainly they should. And, uh, and here's my reasoning why. is uh, It's not like she's got some dire medical condition that prevents her from doing it. Nope. It's purely on her her personal wishes. Yep. And while she has every right to, to refuse the vaccine, because you, you can't strap people into a chair and force it into them, uh, that doesn't mean that she is entitled to to a job position that interacts frequently with members of the public that that don't want to be around or be served by someone that has chosen to not vaccinate when they can. Now, uh, if if the shoe was on the other foot, uh, if it was any other type, uh, say it was an EMT, would you want an EMT that gets you in the ambulance to be able to say, well, no, I, I could get the vaccine. I just didn't really want to for for whatever reason. It, it really doesn't but, make okay, sense. Okay, but let me ask you, is, is, there, is there a difference? Now, hospitals, for example, typically require their, their frontline medical people to get flu shots. because And the thinking is, because first of all, they don't want them getting sick. But secondly, they're going to be interacting with people who are particularly vulnerable, you know, people that are in the hospitals. In this case... She's a waitress. She's going to be interacting with people who choose to come into the restaurant. Um, is is that is it different than an EMT? I think that it it almost doesn't matter what industry you're in, whether you're a service professional or a, a tech that goes door to door to work on people's houses, or even the cashier at the the Walmart or the gas station. If you're handling and interacting with things that other people are touching, and you're talking about a lot of people on a daily basis, then then there should be no question. Uh, it's not like you're someone that's working back in an office nope. with only one or two other people, and you know, and you rarely see anybody nope. during the day. Yeah, she's having contact, thing, but. Would you apply this then? Would you apply this to any any business? So let's say you've got the uh, the cashier at the grocery store who's going to be interacting with people. Do you think that the grocery stores would have the right to say, as a condition of your employment, you've got to get the vaccine for the same reason you just said? Because you're going to be interacting, you're going to be exchanging, giving money and things back and forth. I think that anybody without a valid medical reason that prevents them from getting vaccinated should be required to if they're in a position that interacts consistently with other members of the public. Okay, I think that just oh, makes sense. Okay, thanks for that. 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's one thing to say, okay, we're going to do this for, you know, medical professionals, but, but is this the new standard? Should employers be able to require you to do this if you're in a situation where you interact with the public? 855-616-1620. Um, okay, let's take a more calls before we go to the, uh, text line. Marty in Watertown. Marty, you're on WTMJ. I'm sorry, Wauwatosa. Hello. 
Yay. Hi, Marty. Uh, it's her career choice. She's making a career choice to be a waitress. There are going to be certain requirements from now on because of COVID, and one of those requirements to be a server is to protect other people. Mm-hmm. She may want her child, but now she has to choose a different career. I'm sorry, because she may want her child, but what about the people who might be infected because of her refusal to get the vaccination? So well, but I guess she, my question would be: Could you be a- could you do it by saying, okay, you're you're going to have to you're going to have to wear the mask, and you know you're going to have to take these precautions that you know servers all across the country have already taken? Why why isn't that good enough? Well, because then you are allowing everyone else to come up with their own understanding and their own idea. Yes, the mask is okay, but the vaccine is better. And because the vaccine is better, why do not we want to give our people the very best kind of protection? And they get it through the vaccine. Well, no. Sorry, but if you would want to be a. Go ahead. No, but well, but but it's but again, it's her concern is, hey, it's I, I'm worried about my potential unborn child here. And again, I, I'm not an anti-vaccine guy, but that's her argument. She says, look, I we don't know how this is going to affect kids. Why should I have to choose between my my unborn child that and maybe there's going to be a reaction, maybe there's not. I, but why should I have to choose between that and, and my my job? Okay, the question is why why should she be able to choose? to have a child maybe versus maybe infecting someone and no. affecting their life. Well, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I wish I could help her. If she would want to be a police officer, she would have to learn how to do certain shooting with firearms. Yeah. And if she doesn't want to shoot with firearms, she shouldn't become a police officer. Well, right. But I mean, thanks. Okay. But thanks for calling. No, but I understand. But okay. But that, that's, that's a different sort of thing. There are certain... Okay, requirements that you're going to need as as job prerequisites. Okay, if you're if you're going to be a fire person, fireman, firewoman, whatever, you're, you're, you you got to you got to be able to I don't know, lift, carry a certain amount of weight because you might have to carry a body. You're going to have to have a certain amount of body strength. I mean, there there are different. If you're a police officer, yes, you're going to have to carry a gun. You're going to have to prove that you use it. You you know how to use it. You can shoot and qualify. And if you can't do that, right, you're going to be disqualified. But but this, of course. That this is different in that this isn't a getting the vaccine isn't a fundamental requirement of whether you can be a waitress or a waiter. It, it would be a, a situation where, again, I guess it's the safety issue. But I mean, I guess the flip side is as more and more people are going to get vaccinated, you know, they'll they will have that protection. So is it reasonable to say, OK, on the off chance that you might get sick? And you might come into contact with somebody who's also made the choice not to get the vaccine. Now, it's interesting to me because historically, employers outside of a health situation have not legally been allowed to require employers to get the vaccine. They can encourage it. They, they, they can encourage it. They can provide incentives for it. And I'm not suggesting, by the way, that in this discussion, that it might not be a good thing. I mean, I, I think I'm the guy that says the more people that get vaccinated, the, the better off it's going to be and the sooner we get out of this pandemic. But at the same time, the, the idea, it does trouble me that you have an employer who can say, as a con- because you have contact with the public, as a condition of doing your job, you've got to get the vaccine. And that comes from the perspective of somebody who's going to get vaccinated as soon as as soon as it becomes optional um, I'll, I'll share a couple texts when we come back this is jeff wagner wtmj 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, do you want to see if you could have succeeded where I failed last night? I, I, I will give it a shot. Okay, so here, here we were talking about this off there. Here, here's the deal. Last night, um, my wife and I and our dear friends, Doug and Alan and Patty, we, 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 we went to a place we played in this trivia contest that we do from time to time. And, and what it is, it's... Um, uh, not, there's like 18 questions, and you can assign points, and and then there's a halftime question, and then there's a like a final Jeopardy question. Okay, so right. I, I was actually on a roll. I was doing really, really well. Our team, and and everybody else contributed too. I don't mean to say that, but I I, I had a couple obscure ones. I, for example, okay, in the TV show Dallas, mm-hmm. you know, you had J.R. Ewing. Yes. What did J.R. stand for? Uh, that's a good question. John something? John Ross. But I John knew Ross. that. So I, I, I got, I, I got some obscure ones. And everybody's, oh, so I, I we're, so we're, we're ahead the whole night. Did you feel like it was, um, if you were a part of a generation, you knew more if you no, were they younger? No, they were all, they were all, they had some science questions. Like there, there was one about what part of the brain couple, you know, what part of the brain does this? And I, I had no, I, I didn't even know, I could, yeah, I didn't even come yeah. up with a guess. I'm kind of looking around <laughs> saying, you know, help, help me out here. So there were a couple, but we, we were doing, we were doing very well. We were ahead the whole night. So it comes to the, the final question, and we have 57 points. The nearest team has 52 points. So we're ahead by like five points. Mm-hmm. And what happens is you can, you can, it's like Jeopardy. You can wager anywhere from zero to 15 points. And, um, but the, the thing is, if you're wrong, you lose the points. So I, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, well, I, I always like to kind of bet on, on, on ourselves. So I'm thinking, okay, the team's five points behind us. We're five points ahead. You can bet up to 15. So we bet 11 because that means if we get it right, even if the other team goes all in, they, they can't pass us. So we bet 11 points. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, and you know what the question is before you have to decide the points. Like so you, you Right. So yeah. you can kind of figure this out. Well, needless to say, I failed. I, we, we, we did not get the question correctly. We lost the 15 points and ended up losing to the third place team who didn't, who did not put any points at all. They just zero. They, because they were counting That's on us getting I it wrong. That's what I would do. I would yeah. just do zero. We, we, we came in second. But okay, but, but anyway, here, here is the question that I, that I choked on. It's a kind of a pop culture question. I'm not bringing Gru into this because I told him the story early and knows the answer. Okay. okay. Uh, according to some movie box office data thing. Okay. Whatever it is. What are the two highest grossing basketball movies oh, of all time? Hmm, basketball movies. I would say, can it be an animated one? Well, it, it could be like, anything. That, that was the Jam. question. Let's say Space Jam uh, and baseball. Basketball. Basketball, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> baseball. Uh, basketball. What other one? Well, there was a Michael Jordan one that just came out, but that was on Netflix, I think. So. Yeah, it was a movie. Uh, okay. Space Jam is, I don't know, I can't think. And and how many minutes do you have to kind of think well, about they, it? They play, they play a song. So okay. they were like playing Bob Seger's Katmandu. I know that because we, we put our down right away <laughs> and then I was singing along annoying everybody else at the table. But yeah. Um, uh, what about White Man Can't Jump? What about that one? Melissa? Is that it? Melissa, oh. you would have won oh. for us. <laughs> No. Oh, you can't. I, I, here, so right. I did a tactic there. I had to stall a little bit while you were explaining right. that. I was uh, thinking well, in my head. No, no, no. I, okay, so here, here's the here is the deal. Mm-hmm. So we we get Space Jam comes to mind immediately. That yes. animated thing. So boom. And then I swear I couldn't think of another basket. <laughs> the only other basketball <laughs> right. movie I could think of was Hoosiers. Yeah. You know, and Hoosiers. So 
we put down that it never even occurred to me but you number one was space jam number two was white men can't See? jump never even occurred to that i, I couldn't even think of anything you besides should have me on your team well I, 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 <laughs> absolutely it might have it you know, now I did that with Gru, and he couldn't come up with it. He couldn't even come up with Space Jam. You know, yeah, so I was thinking of Coach Carter, Hoosiers. Didn't even think about White Men Can't Jump. I didn't either. As a product of the '90s, the shame that I felt the shame, of yes. not even I, thinking I, of Space Jam. Right, but it, 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 Space Jam was number one. But I, I said Hoosiers, and I because and then I was and I was pretty confident that we were we were going to get it right. But it's. Um, in any event, well, you would have gotten. It. You should have been at the table. Yes. All right, Melissa, look at the big brain on yes, Melissa. Yes. Okay, it's all useless facts up here. I have to Isn't tell it? you that. <laughs> oh, is, it, it's it, well, it really is. I don't know when, when it's actually going to pay off for me. I, um, well, I, I mean, I, I was well. And actually, second place gets free drinks. So you know, there oh, free nice. drink coupons. So you know, it, it came through okay. But no, it was. I mean, I was on like like I knew John Ross, and one of the questions was, um, oh, it was something about. It, the, the answer was the Sacramento Kings, mm-hmm. and it was like what, 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 what the the team that used to play in you know wherever the Kansas City or wherever they used to play you know where are they now and, and what's and so I mean I I knew that mm-hmm. you know but it was again this sort of useless trivia that you it you is, end up knowing yeah. right away but um <laughs> but no we should have had you there last I night because white yeah. man can't jump did not even occur to no. me <laughs> Melissa comes through okay we'll we'll include that you next, can be i can be your phone a friend what well, well, that's need to a, do that. what's that well okay the, the the next trivia contest is next month my wife is out of town but i might be there so if i fran would be Let happy you, you could fran i'll you, just you, call you, fran before i go you, you, could, you could be my date for the day she would understand that you know you especially since you nailed white men can't jump okay there <laughs> you, you go win. all right pop culture corner coming up in about 20 minutes before that Big story in the Wall Street Journal talking about how if you fly, and I understand more and more of us are reluctant to get on airplanes, but I, I think that's that's changing. If you fly, well, the headline is airlines tighten leash on pets in cabins. For, for those of you who haven't been following the story, about 10 or 11 years ago, the, the, the Department of Transportation broadened its rules to allow emotional support animals to to fly for free on on planes and and this is this is not service animals not like like seeing eye dogs this was emotional support animals so what ended up happening is you would have people that say gee i'm nervous about flying and what you could do is you could go on the internet and for 75 bucks or whatever you could find some doctor feel good in arizona who would say yes I'll, I'll write you something that says that you're nervous and anxious and that you need to travel with your dog your cat your sheep you know your ostrich whatever to comfort you and the airlines would let you have to let you fly for for free fly the dog or the the animal for free that has now changed, and they, they've tightened up the rules. And in order to qualify for, like, the free airfare, what you need to do is it needs to be a service dog. It's only dogs, and they need to be specifically trained service dogs. And you have to have a certification of the dog and things like that, getting back to, uh, again, the, 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 the seeing-eye dogs and, and things like that. It has to be and that will probably result in about 95% of the animals that traveled for free aren't able to travel anymore. Now, you can still fly with your, your animal, but you've got really two choices now, assuming it's not a, a service dog. First of all, you have to pay to ship the dog, the animal, you know, and, and they would, they ship them in the cargo hold of, of the, the plane. 
Alternatively, if if the animal is small enough to fit in, uh, again, one of their approved containers and fit under the seat, my dog would do that. You you can do it. Southwest, I fly Southwest a lot. They charge, I think, 90 bucks, but you have to pay to have the dog fly with you. And again, the dog has to fit in the carrier, has to fit under the seat, which means if you have a dog of any any size, my dog is like six and a half pounds. If you have a dog of any size, that's not going to work. You're not going to be able to bring the dog into the cabin because they're not going to be able to fit in the container and fit under the seat. But but that's the way the rules work. Now, some people look at this and say, hey, this is just a way for the airlines to make more money because otherwise, you know, Jeff, you know, you, you could say that you're a white knuckle flyer. You could get this thing and you could, you know, have the dog with you for free. Now, if you want the dog to fly with you, you're going to have to pay the 90 bucks. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I don't care if the airlines make a little bit of money on this. I mean, if I want to bring my dog into the cabin and fit with the rules and she fits under the seat and stuff, I, I think it's reasonable that you expect me to pay, that they expect me to pay for it. And I think it's reasonable to expect other people to have to pay for it. And if you want to travel with your pet and your pet doesn't fit in the approved carrier and doesn't fit under the seat, yes, I, I think the airlines have every right to charge you to ship that animal. And you then have a choice as to whether or not you want to take the animal with you or whether you want to figure out some other way to get to your destination, like, hey, okay, maybe we're going to drive to Florida instead of instead of fly. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, these airlines, by the headline of the Wall Street Journal says they're tightening the leash on pets in the cabin. I'm fine with that. And again, I have no problem being expected to pay if I want to bring my pet with me. Um into the cabin, and if I have a pet that doesn't fit the guidelines, well, okay, then I got to move to plan B, whatever plan B is. 855-616-1620, but I don't think you should just be able to bring your German Shepherd onto a plane. People are allergic. There's been an increased instance of people getting bit by the dogs or whatever, and who needs to bring an ostrich onto a plane? 855-616-1620, I'm glad to see the airlines cracking down on this because I think it was a scam that a lot of people were running to try to get their pets onto the planes for free. We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, you're talking to a pet lover here. And at, at some point in the relatively near future, you know, we're going we're gonna to start taking our, our dog on a plane. And, and, and it's fine. I have no problem uh, paying extra. She'll fit under the seat because i got a small dog, and I, I think it's reasonable to expect me to pay extra for that. But, you know, for the last decade or so, you've had people that I think have been scamming the system by saying, hey, I'm a nervous flyer. I, I need my emotional support, not my service dog, but I need my emotional support pet. And, by the way, I don't want to have to pay to take that pet on the plane. Well, I, time for that all to end because I think a lot of that was just a complete and total scam. And if you want to take your pet, well, okay. Pay for it, and if the pet is too big to sit in the compartment of the plane, sorry, what you have to do, uh, the passenger compartment plane, you, you have to come up with your plan B, and that may mean that, that maybe you, you can't fly if if you don't want to ship your pet. And I understand why you wouldn't want to ship your pet. That might mean that you have to drive. Okay, let's start with Sandra in Chicago. Your first. Good afternoon. Hey, 
What do you think? Well, um, I log over 100,000 miles a year, pre-COVID anyway, um, and so I've traveled a lot and have run into a lot of these people with their so-called support animals. Um, and a couple of issues that I have, one, I do believe a lot of them were scamming the system. Sure. But on top of that, I'm, um, you know, I can't eat peanuts on planes because someone might be allergic, but yet I'm highly allergic to cats and dogs. They're right. forced to sit next to people with these animals and have actually asked if they could just maybe move the animal over like one seat right. so that I don't have to, you know. Right. And they just look at me and tell me I'm being obnoxious. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, you know, that's uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 right. And oh, yeah. I, again, I, I think it's a. I mean, I think it's a balancing, and and I think they've struck a reasonable thing. Like I say, my my little dog, you got to keep her. If you're if I'm going to fly with her, she's got to be in that container, and she's got to be under my seat. And and I think that's a reasonable sort of balancing type of thing that's there. But yeah, I, I'm with you. And again, I I love. I love animals, but if somebody's got a you know a hundred pound dog on their lap that's kind of like leaning on you, and you're allergic or just don't like them or afraid of dogs or whatever, that that's that shouldn't be your problem. You paid for your seat. Yeah, agreed. And and I too love animals. Don't get me wrong. I just can't. Unfortunately, I can't have them because I'm allergic. And and I and I'm fine even with people that have to have an animal on the plane. I've been next to a seeing eye dog, but you know when I say, hey, I'm really allergic. Could you maybe just move it over i had some woman look at me and say well that's your problem lady yeah, yeah. And I thought, whoa yeah, yeah well yeah, yeah no i'm no i'm with thanks thanks for calling again and i look and i, I want to be clear i'm i'm not this person that says that i mean i think the airlines have the right to make the rules and i think that there's a balancing i'm not this guy and i think some people would say well they should never let dogs you know they should never let any animals in the passenger compartment period i don't go that route i mean i think again there's a balancing and there's a lot of people that travel with their pets and like i said i'm, I'm going to be one i think at some point in time you know somewhere along the line but but that's that's okay they have the right to make the rules they have the right to charge me extra if i want you know that seat just like they have the right to charge me extra if i'm flying on some airline that offers first class and i want to be there they, they have that right and if i don't want to pay it well then I, I move on to plan b let's talk to uh john john you're on wtmj good afternoon how are you doing real well thanks yeah, what I, do you think i work for the airlines but i've been there almost 40 years it, people were just getting too comfortable with scamming the airlines. They were having bringing rats on board, snakes, lizards. Uh, one airline brought let a pony on there in the aisle. I mean, it was just getting ridiculous. People were. Yeah, and then it causes chaos in the plane, you know. Well, well, so. sure. You know, you, you have so you well, you you have right. We're talking about dogs, but you you have something else, and that's that's really not trained, and it it does its business, you know, in the aisle or things like that. I mean, no, it's you know, it, it's a controlled setting, and you, you're you're in this giant flying tube. And again, I, I think it's reasonable to say, all right, the, the pet has to be in a container, and you can't take the pet out, and it has to fit there. And and if the pet's bigger than that, sorry, you just you you got to put them in the cargo hold or if you're not comfortable doing that which i understand all right that that's when you that's when you get the family truckster and you drive to wally world instead of flying there absolutely yeah no yeah. thanks thanks for, and again yeah. it, it, it's a and, and it's a huge i mean there's liability issues that are there you know you've got you've got your german shepherd i don't mean to pick on german shepherds i love german shepherds but you got your german shepherd that, that's in your lap or it's at your feet and i don't know it, it reaches out and it snaps or at the person next to you or something it's just 
it's not a workable sort of thing. And one of the, the beefs that the airlines are getting nowadays is they're finding that people are complaining. And they say, well, they're, they're generating all this revenue. You know, now, now people are having to pay. Well, okay, yeah, but I think you should expect to pay. I mean, it's it's if if you want to have the privilege and you're going to travel and you want to bring your pet along, go with God. I think that's great, but it's not unreasonable to expect you to pay for it. And I, I mean, candidly, I, I think maybe the wave of the future might be that some of these airlines, you know, start charging. You know, if, if you want to, if you want your pet, you got to buy a separate seat. I'm not I'm not advocating that, but that might be the wave of the future. But again, that's a decision that you you get to make. Do you take your pet along or not? When we come back, we're going to find out what John and Melissa have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Hang around. This is Jeff Wagner.